Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's our all truculent Thursday. Bob Stoffer with you. We've already had Louis DeBrusque and Brian Burke on today's edition of Oilers Now. Speaking of uh, Brian Burke, you wanted me to extend a special hello to our next guest. As we go in the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, we welcome back to the show George LaRock. And George, Brian's a big fan of yours. Yeah, I'm always a big fan of Brian, too, and I respect him a lot, too, and the job, what he's done over the year. And the world of hockey is still, uh, we're very lucky to still have him very active. He's quite the brain to, to have on the team, and I've always respected him. Uh, we've discussed uh, two pretty serious issues the last two times we've had you on the show, George. Uh, you had COVID-19. Uh, we had you when you were still in the hospital. Um, any long-term effects from it, or are you feeling a lot better? No, no, uh, Bob. I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm feeling so good. I'm running so much right now. I can't wait to see you next time because I'm so slim now. Uh, no, <laughs> going, no I, I lost 40 pounds. I'm going to lose another 40, and, and I'm ready for uh, to come back to play hockey. Are you, are you announcing a comeback? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, the game is way too fast now. Um, yeah. I, if I came back, it'd be, it'd be, uh, it'd be with Joy Moss, uh, you know, picking up the gears for the guys, and that's, it. that's the only comeback I could do right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, we, we, we should mention the last time we had you on, uh, we discussed mostly some of the uh, racism challenges that exist in North American uh, society. Uh, I, I think you did as good a job as you've ever done when you've appeared on any of the shows. Uh, tremendous uh, response to that. We got a lot of people that text us real positive comments because – you, uh, one of your focuses was it starts with the individual. I know that uh, I spoke to Louis about it. You ended up doing uh, a thing on uh, with Hockey Night in Canada on After Hours, so that was awesome. So it was uh, terrific to see how that uh, you know all uh, sort of transpired. And I know you got a lot of requests and a lot of feedback, didn't you? Yeah, no, I did. Uh, it was awesome because you know people wanted to listen. You know they recognized the fact that there was a problem, and people wanted to know what it was like. So. Uh, you know, it, 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 now it's what's awesome is now, you know, with the whole world watching and with everything is going on right now, it's like people are ready for change, for equality. And, and it was awesome to see the response of it because we're, I've never seen that before. 
before, uh, you know, the, the systematic racism was viewed as a minority issue. And now the fact that everybody's talking about it, that it's more viewed as a worldwide issue, that's when you see that it's encouraging to know that we're going towards the right direction. So, you know, it, it was awesome to see that people uh, uh, that were spoken, which they were never before on the issue. And it's with people talking that we're going to see change. And, you know, I think that uh, things will change, things will get better. And uh, that's what we need as a society. We need to live in love and harmony with each other because we all one and we're no different from one another. Yeah, you did a great job with that, George, and I think you you, you resonated well with people. Uh, you hit on, uh, you know, the, 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 obviously there, there's racism, but there's also you know sexism, and and there's people that make comments uh, uh, are narrow-minded on on issues of sexual preference, and I think you did a, a terrific job on that. And it's kind of like when you talk about coronavirus, and we focus so much on coronavirus right now and COVID nineteen, but there's still other challenges out there like mental health as an example is an affliction that we all have to continue to work together on to assist people in in getting through because uh you know what there there are challenging times out there and people are going through brutal situations and we just got to support each other don't we why bob you know with mental health it's important to know that because of covid in some situation it's been worse and and you you brought it you bring a point that is so important to everybody to realize is that I think too much of the focus is actually on COVID because there's people that need surgery that get, that's getting postponed because of this. We want to clear up the hospital. There's people, and I'm talking Montreal. I know in Alberta the situation is not the same. Uh, it, it's much better how everything's been dealt from the beginning. But, but man, there's people that are needing help. Um, you know, like domestic abuse is up in Montreal because people have been confined home. Uh, women shelters are are packed they need help they need funds you should see so many groups that are needing like homeless people they need they need funds because uh, what's going on like they're they're living through poor conditions so with hockey help the homeless we're doing a kind of the life cup where we try to raise money even though we're not playing hockey to improve their condition there's so many things that we need to do to all help out each other that we need to be so active but we certainly need not to forget that there's people that need our help. I know that COVID is what's demanding most our attention, and that's all you've seen on TV, but there's a lot of people that we can't forget during this time, and it's important to address it. Well, you said something there. I mean, everyone's got to work together. And I'm going to transition that now into talking a little bit about hockey and maybe lightening up the conversation a bit, George. I mean, think of the best teams that you played on and how those teams, you know, they came together. And and think about that 2006 Stanley Cup run in Edmonton. Uh, And tomorrow is the anniversary of Game 7. And it was a heartbreaker. And I, I... George, I, I tweet out sort of this day in Oilers history, and sometimes when you know when I show the Rollison injury, fans, oh, I don't want to see that. But what I remember about 2006 is how far your group went. Like you guys maybe didn't have the most talented team, but you went to the seventh game of the Stanley Cup final uh, with a backup goaltender because Rolly was hurt. You used a lot of different forwards, Toby Peterson. Uh, played for you. Winchester played for you. You know, Harvey and Rem Murray played their last NHL games in that playoff run. I mean, you guys really did use everybody, didn't you, to get there? Uh, it, it, you know, the Oilers were, you remember at that time, 
we're always battling against the big market team. So in the first round, when you go against Detroit, everybody thinks we're going to win, and we beat them. People were like, wow, what a team to, 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 to take out, right? When MC scored, uh, we don't, we'll never forget that. It, it, it was awesome. But you know what's crazy, and when I think about it, is how do we lose? We beat Detroit in the first round, and we lose to, to Carolina. Like, <laughs> think about our mindset when you go into the final against Carolina. Carolina is the team that came out of the East. Are you kidding me? Carolina, Edmonton. What are the chance that? But I know Roly. If Roly didn't get, first of all, if Roly didn't get hurt, we didn't. We wouldn't just won the cup. He would have won the con smite for sure. Right. It, it was a given. We all know that. And you know, Coughlin went in, and and he, he, you know, a little mistake. He gave a gift to that goal when they scored. Uh, they're up two up in Carolina, and then we put Markin in. Markin in did an unbelievable job because he helped us get back from three one to to three three. But but man, I know Edmonton was vibrating, and and it was awesome uh, to to get to get that feeling for the fans to everyone. But but you know what's better, Bob? Like losing Game Seven in the final and not making the playoffs, because sometimes I think that missing the playoff by one point would be better than to be this close. You know when you're this close, you could smell it. It's in a building. You could touch it. You could come back with it on the plane, and you you don't have it, and you come back you come back empty to the city of champions where people are different. There's no fans in, in the NHL that were more deserving than, than the Martin Oilers of San because I, with all the teams that I play on and I look at the Toronto fan, Montreal fan, and everyone, you know, you, you get those seats of corporate that are empty, but... Right. companies are buying seats and stuff in Edmonton it's blue collared worker guys or women that are painting the face that are there that are screaming that bring the energy it was insane back then uh, it, it was unbelievable and, and we felt that we owe it to them so much because after a game they spent as much energy as we did playing the game because the way they were in the stands and how loud they were how awesome it was it, it, it was unreal and to this day I still feel bad about the fact that we weren't able to uh, to give him the cup that they deserved so much. George, you don't – okay, so I, I just want to hit on something there. You don't – okay, in the immediacy of it, so when you're flying back after Game 7 against Carolina, you're thinking, oh, man, we, we were this close. But could you not look back, at, you know, a, a month after that and go – Wow! Did our ever did our team ever accomplish and and do something special here? And we went right there and was. I mean, it's a two-one game, and if Pisani bangs home that rebound off that Rafi Torres rush down the left side, it's tie game. You guys would have tied the game. I mean, it's literally it's literally one bounce. Or is it too hard because you got that close? Like, can you look back at it with pride at what you accomplished, or is it no. still kind of bitter for you? You know why? You know why? If we'd have lost to to I don't know. To, to Crosby and Malkin, I know they weren't there, but if you lose to a team in the East, I don't remember the powerhouse that were in the East that got upset back then. Yeah. But if you lose to them in four or five, it's okay. Then you could reflect and say, you know, we did good. We made it to the final. Edmonton was vibrating. It was awesome. We played Carolina. Bob, we played Carolina in the Stanley Cup final. How did we lose today? I still don't understand today how we lose to that team. Like, who was on that team? Tell me who. Cole, Doug Waite at the end of his career, like, 
Ray Whitney at the end of Ray Whitney at the end of his career. Yeah, they, they had a no-name defense. Cam Ward was good. At, he was good in goal. I don't think he was great. He got the Con Smythe. Um, don't forget, George Buffalo ran out of defensemen. In the previous, it was Buffalo. Actually, Buffalo was really good that year in the Eastern Conference, and they ran out of defense. That's they had, right. They had, That's right. They had all those injuries, right? I wanted Buffalo to beat Carolina because I figured they wouldn't have any defense left. I, I thought they were better offensively than Carolina. Carolina's no-name defense, like guys like Glenn Wesley. Glenn Wesley was. A, I played. A, I played against Glenn Wesley as a kid, George. Like he was, you know, he was late thirties at that stage. Probably would have been thirty-eight or thirty-nine years of age. They, they, you know, they, they had a no-name. I mean, you're right. And again, if you have Rollison, you probably win the series in six games. Just on game yeah. six. Just on game six. You did not dress for game six. Is that right? Uh, game six. Did I? Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't win one five nothing. Game, yeah, game yeah, four, six. Yeah, four nothing. Yeah, you, right. you remember how loud it was? Like, I remember being in the press box, and a lot of the writers from the U.S. were, because the press box up at Rexall Place is on a catwalk. And the last six minutes of the game, the fans never stopped cheering. And it was just vibrating, George, in the press box. I remember the games that we played when I was singing in the dress room. Um, it, the dress room, like, we know it's all cement around us. It was shaking. Guys had shivers. We had shivers before we, uh, we went on the ice. And the, the, the word of Tom, what we're telling each other, we're like, okay, let's keep this ignite. We've got to hit Let's sh- shake them. Yeah. So, because when you hit people, then the crowd would go nuts. So me, Gator, Torres, all those guys would just try to kill people with body check. And the crowd would go, and the noise, what it, was, it was intimidating. Like, to the other team, it, it was, there's no, you know, Bob, to this day, there's no NHL team. And, and I don't care to go back to history. There is, it's impossible that there's ever an NHL team that have fans that were that, that were that loud for a team. Well, it was certainly the loudest it was in Rexall Place the last, you know, 10-plus years. Like, I mean, I, I'm trying to think all the way from, like, 19. I started doing games for Molestar uh, on the production side up in the press box in 1995-96. And that was the the comeback when Buckberger got the overtime winner against Dallas in '97 uh, was really loud in the building. I was actually it, there. I, I was actually days out. I was one of the aces. I yeah. was very called up, but I wasn't playing, so I was there. It was loud, but not. Like, not as loud as 06. 06 was crazy. And the fans played a part of it. I mean, you guys were down 2 nothing, and they helped bring you back into the series. I mean, not that you guys didn't do it on the ice, but, you know, they, they made it a difficult place to play. And, and again, actually, it, actually, this entire playoff, Bob, the fans played a big role as a six-man because we were a team that never quit because of them. And they got used to that so much that even though we're down by, by, by a couple goals, when we got one, the energy they brought us back, it was almost like we knew we were going to get another one. It, it, it was insane. I'll never uh, – this is the thing that when people ask me about the years in Edmonton, I always talk about the fans because of it. Because a guy like me, I'm a guy of energy, a guy that tries with it. when you play physical, when you hit guys, when you fight guys. You need the crowd reaction because this is what goes through the bench, through the spines of the players that give energy, that change momentum. And to me, having fans like this, it was insane because the job that I was doing, like to be recognized, because, you know, Edmonton is a town of blue-collared workers. 
So they always appreciated the tough guys because those are the players they identify themselves the most. So the fact that you work hard, you don't always get, always get recognition as a tough guy, but you just get it from the noise, the energy that they're giving you. You know, Bob, like sometimes when I go hit somebody, I would go extra harder just to hear the noise, just because I know how they would react. I would try to go through someone, put them through the board to get the fans happy so they could go nuts. That's the energy that they were giving me. And, and, and that's why, like, all the other teams that I've played on, it was awesome to play with Crosby and Malkin, but as a fan reaction, what, what I've seen in them, it was something in Edmonton that I've never seen. And unfortunately, a lot of people listening to us, they never heard it, be, heard it because the next 10 years after was like, it, 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 it was, was tough. almost like a, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah. it was not fun for a lot of fans and they were frustrated. And now McDavid, it, it's kind of like Crosby saving the franchise right now. But the way also the new rink is built, the noise is not closed in as it was for Rexall. It's kind of like the Seahawks. People that have been to the Seahawks Stadium, the way it's built, the sound stays there. It stays down. You hear it. But when right. it's wide open, the sound is different. So, but yeah. it's just that people that had a chance to be there at that time, man, the, the wave, you know, there was fumes in the air because it was so loud. It was something that I'll never forget. That, that sure. on itself is better than a cup. There we go. Great point from George LaRock on our all-truculent show. George, one final thing. Uh, today in Oilers history, Kevin Lowe was named the uh, head coach back in 1999. I know I texted you this morning before you did your show in Montreal. Uh, and you think Lowe was the best coach you ever had? Yeah, the reason why I say that so people can understand, because you, you only coach for one year, right? Yes. Was it, yeah, okay. yeah. The reason why I'm saying that is, and, and I'm not saying it because that's the year that I got my hat trick. It's not because of that. <laughs> Kevin is the only coach that I've known, that I've seen, that he didn't care about how much money you made, the name of the back of the sweater. He played the guys that played the hardest. That's how he was. He was intense, and you couldn't cheat with him. And he hold everyone accountable. There's so many coaches after that, uh, Bob, that it's all about politics. You know, my stars, you know, I don't want to get them upset. I got yep. to treat them different. He was not like that. He was not like that. And back then in 99, we're, we're battling against big market teams that have more money to spend. We're a team that were not supposed to make the playoff. We did. And just the way coach is intensity, I just loved it. And me, I just knew. I, I played I played tons with him because I just give my heart out every shift, and sometimes he would throw me back again. And and he would just throw guys back again. If a star's play wasn't playing, he wasn't playing. He was benching him. He didn't care. He was there to win. You, you felt it down his spine, and that's why we made the playoff that year. Without him, with the team we had, there's no way we're in. There you go. That is George LaRock. George, let's do this again. Stay safe in Montreal. We'll hook up in a couple of weeks, okay? A couple of weeks? What, I thought we were doing once a week. Well, we could do once a week. You're ready to go next week? Yeah. We're going to make it a full-time truculent Thursdays. How does that sound? Every Thursday, Louie, Berkey, and you. Does that sound good? I love it. Yeah. All right. I love it. Thanks, George. Thanks, bro. You bet. That is George LaRock, uh, Edmonton Sporting Icon 151 in Edmonton. We'll wrap up the show when we return after this. Hi, I'm James Neal from Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. 
Pizza, Pizza, Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Now Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca. Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean Chicken. So we mentioned on this date in NHL history, Oilers history, uh, Kevin Lowe named head coach in 1999. But something happened in 1998 as well. Here's Brendan Escott. Oilers flipped Mike Watts to the New York Islanders in exchange for backup goaltender Eric Fischow, who was then traded away to the Nashville Predators later that fall for Jim Dowd and Mikhail Stalinkov. And Jim Dowd ended up centering George LaRock on a very effective fourth line in, uh, was that 98-99 or 99-2000? Anyways, as I recall, they were pretty useful together. Uh, tonight, Inside Sports, Reed Wilkins is off, but Dave Campbell's in the house. Who's he got rolling? You will hear from Tri-City Americans Governor and General Manager Bob Torrey. Remember the WHL announcing their return to play protocol today, as well as Edmonton prospect owner Patrick Cassidy. Now, tomorrow, uh, Brennan Escott will be hosting the show. Guests will include Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey and Rogers, Jack Michaels from the Oilers Radio Network, and Sebastian Cosa, who is going to go in the first couple rounds of the 2021 NHL draft. He's the Edmonton Oil Kings goaltender. Uh, Brendan, this is the last time you and me will be working together for the next uh, week and a half or so. So uh, have a, a good uh, good next week off. All right, my man? I appreciate it, Bob. Thank you. All right. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Have a uh, tremendous Thursday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.